Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. Shio Nagata. Hello, everyone. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, later on in the podcast, before we do our beginning thing, uh, we're going to be talking about the first two episodes of WandaVision, the first of Marvel's Disney Plus original series. A series, I guess, is the plural of series. Um, uh, those two episodes came out yesterday. We were recording this January 16th. Uh, but before we get into that, and that will be spoilers, by the way, before we get into that, let's talk about Mortal Kombat. Of course, the listeners of this podcast will know we're huge fans of Mortal Kombat. That's not true. I don't think we've ever talked about Mortal Kombat before. But I, I felt it'd be fun to talk about movies that are coming up soon. There's been some new promotional images for Mortal Kombat that look pretty interesting. I can't really translate that into audio but you can look them up and they look uh they look pretty cool so mortal kombat this is a an, um, uh, this is a feature length adventure movie based on the video game yes it is there were, in the 90s there were two of them i we i don't think we've seen either of them the first one was supposed to be pretty like campy hyper violent fun and the second one was supposed to be terrible <laughs> yeah. That's what they were going for? No, that was not what they were going for. With the second one, they were not trying to be terrible. Was the second one a sequel or a reboot? A sequel. The, this is a reboot. This is a completely new thing. They're introducing a new character. Not quite. I tried to learn more about this with the article, but the article was so, like, spoilery, it felt like. Like, the movie is, like, months away from coming out, and, like, it felt like they were already discussing, like, plot details, and that... So it's possible for us to know more about this. I'm choosing not to. I hear that. What so would, have you played the video game ever? I have, haven't played the newer, more like structured versions, but like in an arcade I've played like the original ones, which is just, you know, like fighting. Uh, what I would like out of a movie like this is, um, I don't know, I don't want it to take, it to, take itself too seriously. I want it to be kind of like just... Just people fighting each other. It's kind of like <laughs> the same what, what? the same thing with this like legendary's monster verse with like Godzilla and King Kong and King of the Monsters. Like we're in here, we're in the theater because we want to watch monsters fighting each other. So why why are we paying attention to this thing that we don't care about? So this um, and if you're gonna like focus on the humans, make them interesting. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can talk about the God monster stuff later uh, because that I want to return to that because I think that is a hard thing to do but necessary. Uh, so I've n I didn't grow up playing this game. It was around uh, if uh, the only fighting game I played fairly regularly was Double Dragon. Um, me and my friend Stan would go to this one place and play it. They had free popcorn and. Uh, Knew about Mortal Kombat, but so was this is not. I don't know the characters. I don't. I didn't have a favorite fighting guy. I don't even know exactly how it, it works. You know, I'm sure it's uh, for me. It would just be joystick moving around and pushing a button, you know, button mashing. That's about what it was when I played it. One interesting thing is the person playing Major Jax Briggs, 
who's like this guy with like robot arms. I've seen a little bit of his stuff in the okay. games. It's played by Mechod Brooks, who plays Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl. So we're familiar with him. Oh, that's cool. He's good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'll be fun. It might be fun to take two, maybe three max, of these like fighting tournament style movies and watch a couple of them. Like Bloodsport. People love Bloodsport. As a cult movie where you know Jean Claude Van Damme is in a tournament and they fight each other, that kind of thing, and maybe watch one of the old Mortal Kombat's or not, and see if we if we're gonna you know talk about this movie. I, I would hope we so. Do. Yeah, but since we're talking about it now, my guess is we will talk about it later also. But the, the characters seem, from what I've heard of them, they seem pretty interesting. They're a little like cool and like gimmicky ones. Like we've got fire guy and ice guy and electricity guy and I'm sure Mortal Kombat fans are getting annoyed at this because I'm sure this is an oversimplification of the characters but from what I've seen it looks like a fun game to play but that usually it's going to be interesting to see how that translates to the screen and if they can translate that to the screen it hasn't been too incredibly successful with video game movies of the past is there a story behind the, the mortal kombat video game or was it just i think the original like, mythology involved in it i think there is i think the original one may have just been fighting but as they go on because there's been 11 of them so far there 11 mortal kombat video games yeah holy goodness okay um they have gone there's definitely like story and lore to it that they're going to go into and there might have been in the original game as well gotcha all right. Well, that's we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. When is uh, that comes out? April sixteenth. Okay, <laughs> with a, with an asterisk by it as always. Yeah, that's just pretty. That seems COVID pretty far away. But that's an, Yeah, this is one that like I find myself getting excited for, and I talked about this when we talked about our most anticipated, where it's a little bit of ver- reverse psychology, where I don't care whether this is good or bad or not, <laughs> and that makes me anticipate it more than movies that I do because I don't want them to disappoint. But you got to be careful you don't anticipate it too much because then that means you'll start caring about it, which means then you I'm would not, be worried I'm not about it. I'm start caring about this movie. All right, good. All right. All right, well, cool. All right, so now I guess, spoiler warning, now on, it's time to enter into WandaVision. WandaVision. Which, this the first two episodes came out on Friday. I think they're releasing one every week after this. I think there's only six episodes in this series, although I may be wrong. Okay, IMDb says nine. Okay, six seems too short. Yeah, that does. not six. Yes, so this show is created by Jack Schaefer. This is the person who is adapting this. Um, how excited were you for this when this for when you first heard about this? When I first heard about it, I think I was pretty excited. And in the, I mean, that was probably last year. I mean, it's definitely last year, but it may have been before that. I don't know when. Whenever I'm sure you brought this to my attention. I think it was 2019. I think uh, we we're in uh, San Francisco. So I was excited about it, and but then I haven't not been excited about it at all. Uh, in fact, I got something horrible to confess to you of like how not smart your dad is. So this whole time, I've WandaVision. Like, I have really only been focused on the Wanda part of that. And the vision word I had was like television. And I know it's, that's part of the, the double play on the words, but I think I forgot that Paul Bettany's character was actually named Vision. So anytime anybody said WandaVision... I only thought, and I had this thought, like, why are they concentrating so much on Wanda 
and not on the other person. Isn't this like, aren't they co-leads? But it's just like her point of view, her television, WandaVision. So I forgot that like it's actually 50-50. And yes, because we'll talk about this later, probably, you know, this is obviously she's got control of it. Some of it and maybe part of it in her mind. So like that is part of what they were going for with television and WandaVision. Anyways, I forgot the vision. It's, it's much more balanced than I thought it was. Yes, I, in the title. <laughs> I, when coming up to the show, was not very excited at all. Mainly because I didn't really know exactly what it was about. And one, I was trying to dim down my expectations because it could be terrible. And also, I just didn't really know a lot about it. And this, other than other Marvel things, I've tried to avoid too many like speculative things. I, I failed now after the first ep- after the first couple of episodes because I, I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know some some of the comic book inspirations for this. But I'm, I was, it was definitely, I definitely wasn't that excited. And it definitely was over my expectations. It increased. Exceeded. Exceeded. Thank you. That's the (laughs) word. It exceeded my expectations. It did mine as well. I'll I'll lead with that. Like once, because I did, once we started to watch it, I got, you know, excited about it. Like yesterday, I was excited to watch it. Oh, yes. And I think, I think we're done with like the anticipation section of this um these two episodes were great in my opinion they were really good they were like they really and there wasn't like a lot of references to other marvel stuff but i kind of like that i wanted it to be a little separated yeah they didn't bother what i loved about it is they threw us right in the middle of it there was no um voiceover explaining what was going on you know, they kind of just hit right straight into this very weird, you know, 1950s television universe and just put us in it, put these characters in it and hinted at things outside the world and hinted at things uh, that may or may not be coming, hinted at danger. But it was it was it was just such a great representation of the style of television during that period of this kind of family sitcom. Yeah. And the first episode was 50s. The second episode was 60s. And I, but I think, like, honestly, my favorite parts of the show were not, like, the, the, the horror stuff, the references to the other stuff. I just kind of liked watching the, the 50s and 60s television thing. And it was it's a nice. really good version of that. Like, the jokes were funny. Like, they were, you know, dated 50s jokes sometimes and 60s jokes sometimes. But they were really good dated 50s and 60s jokes sometimes. Like, I laughed at them within the style of what they were doing, but I also just laughed at them on their own. And I think that's, that's like, the writers did a great job. Yeah, it's that. nice, like, comfort. I guess it's, and I don't mean this as an insult, but it's kind of like comfort foodie. Like, you feel good. You're smiling while watching it. You're having fun. Yeah, and you felt that without even kind of growing up. Obviously, I wasn't growing up in the 50s and 60s either, but when I would go to friends' houses in the 70s playing, and we'd watch TV, there was, like, some of these shows, like Leave it to Beaver and stuff like that, were still on, like in syndication during the daytime. So I would see some of these, like, fifties wholesome, you know, you know, wholesome in quotes, of course, um, television shows, nostalgia sh- shows. So like, the fact that you felt that without even kind of watching them like back in the day is a testament to how good of a job they did to me. Oh, definitely. I also think uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany 
need so to be good. given like a lot of props for creating that field. They're so like charming and nice, and they know exactly what they're doing. It's just yep, and they're big, but not too big. They're but they're they're playing the style, but not. But they're still having the truth in the moment, which we've talked about before on this podcast, is really hard to do. It's hard to play a style and be truthful. And they totally nailed it. Elizabeth Olsen, I thought, was incredible. Oh, my God, yeah. She was so charming and so, like, funny and just just great. And then when there were moments that I'm sure we'll talk about in a second here, um, where things were, like, off, you know, she's kind of, like, she played that so well and then went right back. You know, because there was only moments, and then right back to where kind of where she was in the style. Um, yeah, it totally exceeded my expectations. Oh yeah, definitely. Let's talk about some of those more serious moments. Okay. Um, clearly, I think people that kind of knew a little bit more about what this show was already kind of knew that things were not as they seemed. But there are certain moments, like during the um, <laughs> cats are meowing, during the. Uh, dinner party and during like the radio stuff and the hell and the toy helicopter falling down that clearly you're like okay something is happening we're like both wanda and vision they seem a little off all the other characters in this are not maybe acting as normal people would yeah, even within the style, they almost exaggerate it. But the friendly neighbor, yeah. you know, and that old trope of like, yeah, my husband Ralph, <laughs> you know, that's like used to be a common common joke in these kind of sitcoms, but they play it up even more. And of course, Ralph wasn't at the, the talent show performance on the 60s one. Um, but I think like when those like serious stuff happen like i feel like they don't go like too hard on it like it's it's only little bits of the episode just like you're not to give you a little clue right and of what you know just a little foreshadowing of this is not i mean you know it's not the real world anyways because we're a 1950s television show but we're panning out at the end of the show showing like the modern construction that you know the old tv and then the modern equipment around it at the credits scenes and the guy the and the guy watching it yeah, the guy watching that. So you know it's not world, but you don't know what's going on. But they've they've thrown out a nice sense. Uh, and to me, I'm fine with the slow burn. I hope it doesn't go too quickly. I saw on a friend of mine on Facebook posted that he hopes they kind of give more of a clue of what's really going on, and I'm, which of course they will. But I hope they keep it at a nice slow burn and let us try to figure stuff out as much as we can. And now what what I, what I'm sure will happen is as we keep going into the season, like. There will be sections at the end of episodes that'll be in person. That'll kind of give us a hint to what is going on. And I think eventually they're going to have to like be like, oh no, this isn't the real world. We have to get out and figure out what's going on. Yeah, we already know that. I mean, that was known going in, though. This is not the real world. We, we saw these characters not in 1950s television, like just movies ago. So like, I think it's a given that it's not the real world. You know, We know that. Nobody's acting like it's the real world. Um, and they got nine episodes, so I'm, it, it might be fun for us to chart like how they reveal what's really going on with the information and see like okay, is it episode four, almost halfway through when like all the facades are broken if they are, or like you know like there's something let's let's track that as we watch to see when they decide to do things that might be cool to learn and i hope it's i hope it's not terribly soon i'm liking this different like those different sitcom worlds well you got to figure they so they got in 50s and 60s so 70 sitcoms definitely have their own feel 
and I can't wait to see you know how that's done. Eighties again, you got classic sitcoms like Family Ties, Cosby Show. Like I wonder if they're gonna do that. And nineties sitcoms would be like Cheers. And I don't know what I think of when I think of 2000 sitcoms. Cause I, I think, think I that, stopped watching them. That might have been like The Office. That might be when they do stuff like nice. that. Office, nice, yeah. So like, it's going to be so fun to see them, just because they did such a good job with the 50s and 60s, to see what they do with the rest of these decades and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's going to be really cool to watch. Uh, the black and white stuff worked amazing. Then they had the, the red helicopter with that, you know, that little drop of color. And, okay, this is weird. This is not the 50s sitcom um i thought that worked so well uh the pausing of or like the replaying or like like almost like the tape messed up you know in the 1960s ones like where things are off you know there's off you know what i'm talking about yeah uh i thought those i thought that worked incredibly well again not things aren't quite right um yeah but it's like i'm intrigued it's doing stuff other than that i feel like the sitcom stuff is not just a vessel for the weird stuff but the sitcom stuff is actually very enjoyable to watch. Completely. Completely. That's what's kind of amazing about what they did. Yeah, I agree. All right, um, I was trying to find who did the uh, the individual episode so we can give them uh, credit for this. Okay. Some of the writers? Uh, yes. Or, uh, the direct, uh, I think Jack Schaefer wrote both of them. Um, he's Matt, the creator of the show, right? Is that- yes. Matt Shackman uh, directed the first episode. And the second one, and actually, no, okay. The second one was written by Gretchen Enders. Okay. So, credit to both of them for doing a great job. I hope it keeps at this quality. And I, I guess it will. Like, I feel like Marvel, it's been like several, several years. And when they, uh, my God, I can't had speak. had a dud. Since they, yeah, since they've been disappointed. What, what was the last, like, really not great one? Was it Thor The Dark World? Maybe Iron Man three. Ragnarok, Iron Man three. I want to rewatch great. Ragnarok. What about um, yeah, the Thor: The Dark World was probably the weakest. Isn't that the below of our list? There was an. Uh, I think I enjoyed Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, it wasn't great, been. but like it wasn't bad. Yeah, and I, yeah. We shouldn't be surprised that they're doing a good job with this. Yes, because they've been doing a good job with everything. Yeah, and I think also I'm glad that this yeah. ahead. Ahead, this sorry. feels different than other marvel things like some of the complaints of some of marvel's like critics is that they're very like predictable and they're they're kind of they're very similar especially with the origin story type stories and i don't really think that's exactly true but i'm glad that this is different than some of the stuff we've gotten before did you have a favorite moment I don't know. I mean, I like it doesn't be your favorite moment just some more to some moments that you enjoyed i like the whole the talent show thing yeah i like kind of like all of it as a whole it was just nice and i think wholesome is the exact word like to use for this yeah wholesome facade yeah yeah i have favorite moment for me would be when the thing comes out of the sewer and scares the hell out of the audience and wanda and vision you know what i'm talking about yeah um, that's like that of- moment that that fear was great to have like under that and then she rewind it she rewound it like she rebelled from it which was really cool um, so clearly she's got some power in this thing, which I think goes to, you know, some theories you might've had about going into it, about what was going on. I don't know if you want to talk about those or not. I think this is a, this is a good segue into predictions and speculation for what happens next. We are things we already know are that next episode is the seventies episode. We saw, you know, part of the transition 
at the end of last episode, the end of episode two, when everything went into color. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I did not notice that people who had read comics or just had been paying attention to Marvel news did notice. I'm going to save a little bit of that for later because I don't think you know any of this stuff. No, and I want I want to know. Don't save it. I want to hear it. <laughs> okay, let's let's uh let's start with what kind of things do you think they'll do to try to replicate the 70s era of sitcom? Uh maybe hopefully not all white. Uh, I mean, there was a few people of color in the last one, and that's one of those kind of semi-spoilers that I got uh, when I looked up some of the actors on IMDb. Oh, yeah, I, we'll talk about that. Okay. I think. Uh, so I would think 70s would be some more of that, a little grittier. Um, I don't know, because I didn't really watch sitcoms in the 70s too much, you know. but I used to see reruns of uh, Archie Bunker's Place. And the sitcom that we did watch a lot, actually, which was really good, I think it's maybe underestimated, is Barney Miller. This was a cop show. And um, the actor, Dennis Farina, who I think he's passed away, but was famous for playing these tough guy cops, and he was actually a cop in Chicago. Um, he was asked what television show got the cop thing the most correct of like all of the cop shows. And again, there's been a, hundreds of them. Uh, and he, said, he said Barney Miller because it got the humor of working in a place like that, you know, without kind of stress, that kind of dealing with everything you're dealing with as a cop, um, you've got to find a way to make it bearable. And I think humor is it. So I would love for them to do some kind of Barney Miller type thing. Well, I don't know. We'll see. All right, um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I don't think I've watched any. So I definitely yeah, I haven't watched any sitcoms in the seventies. Three, you're, you're aware of Three's Company, yes. right? I think that was a big one. And I'm just saying the ones that I know about are the Archie Bunker's Place, you know, which is like the big racist, you know, head dude, and you know, but <laughs> you know, the show is the show itself is. Ooh, not with racist. the intro, they may try to do something with the piano. Oh yeah, like Family Guy does with that. That's that's the Family Guy thing is from Archie Bunker's Place. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how about uh, Wanda being pregnant? Yeah, kind of they, suddenly, and then, yeah, and then in the trailer for like what might be upcoming, you see her with like two little babies. So I think we're I don't know we're just moving into I don't know about that. That was kind of cool. That was a cool moment. I thought she's not pregnant. The moment she's pregnant. Yeah, that's that's another one of like the weirder things. She's trying to like fully cement herself in this world. This is at least that's my prediction of it. Um. What do you think this actual facade is? Is it something Wanda's creating or something somebody's keeping her in? I don't know because there is that um, there's that line of dialogue in one of the two episodes we saw where like I mean, it was like a, the tape of a voice or something like who's doing radio. this to you? Yeah, who's doing this to you? Yeah, Which makes is- me think that she's doing it herself. Is what that line makes me think because it, because that's a misdirection. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, based on like when the credits roll and it kind of pans out from what's going on on that television, it makes me think she's either locked up somewhere in a hospital or locked up like in a prison facility and she's retreated into her mind to deal with the devastation of losing vision as her lover. And she's doing this to protect herself from, I guess, the real world, but it may be beyond that. That, like, if I had to guess. That's what I would guess right now. 
All right, let's get into some of the stuff that comics we, people noticed and that we they may have known about before even going into this show. Okay. And I yeah. think a lot of the stuff they already did. I'm curious about Now, this. some of the stuff that's going to happen, and I think with the facility, has to do with an organization called S.W.O.R.D. Oh, okay. You know, like S.H.I.E.L.D., but S.W.O.R.D. Yes. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Which I know <laughs> absolutely nothing about. But right. I, it seems to me that there are more, like, sinister version of shield at least is what it feels like and i could be completely wrong and actually i think like the person watching it has like a sword logo on his like jacket or something that we didn't know oh, okay and so did like the the beekeeper person that came out of the sewer they had the same logo what's yeah. the relationship between like sword and hydra and there was that hydra reference too i forgot that oh yeah we we should have talked about the commercials uh We'll oh, touch the commercials on that. were funny. The same two people did those for both commercials. Oh, yeah. And actually, there's like Easter eggs on that stuff, like the Stark Industries toaster and it's the Stark bomb yeah. that blew up in Sokovia. And actually, yeah. I think there's an Easter egg to that where like the toaster doesn't go off at first and the bomb doesn't go off and that's what keeps them alive. Oh, that's true. That's cool. And then like the Strucker watch that has Hydra and Strucker's the one that created her powers, her and Quicksilver's powers. Oh, that's cr- awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's really cool. But so I think that is supposed to be the kind of the organization that's either keeping her there or trying to get her out. Sword. Okay. Cool. Uh, next thing is Catherine Hahn's character, the the neighbor with Ralph as the husband, is actually a character, an important character in Marvel Comics to Scarlet Witch. She is kind of a mentor figure. A she is a witch. Oh, very cool. So that could be either that that is just an Easter egg. Yeah. Having that be the name, and I don't even exactly remember the name. Or they can actually like kind of use her further on, because she does. She she was a mentor figure in those episodes, and she was also a confidant. Just telling her how, like, giving her the lay of the land on how to how to approach the. Uh, the head woman in the neighborhood, you know, the key to all the social the social stuff. So, yeah, that could be, she may have to, like, do something with what's going on in the real world. She may be part of that, or it could just be a thing there. I think, because remembering the trailers, I think she does appear, like, in person. So, she, I think she is, has something to do with the real world. You, you said in person twice. What do you mean by in person? In the real world. In the real Marvel universe. Outside okay. of the... The, the outside facade. of whatever's going on outside of what's yeah gotcha. outside of whatever's going on the next thing is is Tiana Paris I think is the the one black character this so the one the black person that's in the circle okay and she is actually her character is that of um Monica Rambeau yeah okay the daughter of Carol Danvers best friend that's right, from the... Uh, from Captain Marvel. Yeah, from the Captain Marvel movie. And she will have... I think it's confirmed that she will have more of a role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so that could also be a part of it. I didn't understand part of what you just said there. Say it again? That she is supposed to have a role in more of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, she will be in Captain Marvel too. I okay, think. Okay, all right. And possibly other stuff. But so I, it'd be I, cool to see if they tie or how they tie it together, you know, in the real world, like you were saying, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and does she have... I would imagine she doesn't have powers already. Is this where she gets her powers? Because she does have powers in the comics. And is she... Because she's a part of the facade as well. Facade, yeah. Facade, yeah. Not facade. Haha. I can't <laughs> pronounce words. Facade. 
as well. So is she aware of that? Is she a part of like the organization? Is she like a mole? Right. Is she? Yeah. Are that exactly all these great questions? Like, are these? Is Wanda creating all of these people, and they really don't have their own like free will? Or does Monica Rambeau? Is she also somewhere like in some kind of facility and being? Yeah. Who knows? Could be any of that. And the third thing, actually maybe fourth of the stuff I've mentioned, <laughs> the next thing, I think the final thing from what I've remembered of people speculating and talking about is the voice that's, uh, that's like, who's doing this to you? Sounds like Randall Park. That's what they're who's saying. Randall the Park? Clark. Randall Park. I think he's already confirmed to be a part of the show because I think he was in the trailer. Um, played the FBI agent that's tracking down Scott Lang and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay, I don't remember him. but I didn't remember him too much either, but it's possible that like there's government forces trying to get her out. This is a a bigger deal in like the, the real Marvel Universe. When do you think this takes place in the real Marvel Universe? I'd imagine it'd just be after Spider-Man Far From Home, or at least post-Endgame. Yeah, they would. I think it would have to be post in game, right? Because she's after alive. Or Twenty years after, I wonder when. Yeah, curious about that. That's kind of all the stuff. I I hope they don't reveal too much too quickly. I'm really excited to have another kind of weekly kind of thing like the Mandalorian, something to look forward to on a Friday, you know, in COVID land when you can't go out and do stuff that much. Uh, to have a new show to get excited about and talk about on a weekly basis. I'm glad they're not, I'm glad they didn't release all nine right away. That's true. I'm glad. And also, like, the amount of shows coming out, like, we're going to have something Marvel every week, I think. Yeah. That's and that may be too much. That may be too much. We'll see. We'll get overloaded. But if we're all good, I don't think we'll complain. Yeah. And so far, this is off to a great start. And, like, eventually, because this is supposed to tie in to Doctor Strange. So like, I wonder what like, what crazy directions it could go in. Well, with it, if it's tied into Doctor Strange, then anything's on the table, right? Yeah, because do what, do, what Doctor Strange is doing next is the multiverse. So there. Yeah, they literally. There's they could, could go could in any it, direction, yeah. right now. Well, that's cool. And next with things is Randall Park's character. Clearly, he's trying to get him out, but is he working with like, sword? Or is it this is a third party investigation on what's going on? Are we like later gonna Wanda and I guess I don't know if Vision's gonna come back in the real world or not? I think he is because I think he's seen in the trailer, but I don't know if he stays alive or it's just temporary or flashback. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, are they gonna like team up with him to take down Sword or is it something else altogether? Is Sword always uh, like an antagonist organization? I don't like even know. I don't even know if it's an antagonist organization okay. at all. I know nothing. That's just what it what it sounds like. All right. Well, this is exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, the further episodes, and I'm looking forward to talking about them with you. Oh. Um. Cool. Anything else to say? I don't think there is. We, we shouldn't rate episodes. No, right? I don't think so. Yeah. No. Because we have no context. You know, as far as like rating this episode over the fourth episode. At the end, I think maybe we could say what our favorite episodes are. But I don't think any need to get a letter grade to this thing yet. We can give a letter grade at the end of it if we want. But right now, I think we'd say we like it. 
We're enjoying watching it. We're looking forward to it. And we think uh, if you've listened to this, you've watched it as well. So I'd be curious what uh, what y'all think too. But, I think I think the reaction is positive so far, at least from what I've seen. Based on like Reddit Marvel kind of stuff? Or, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are a little confused, but mainly I think it's excitement for like what's going to happen next. And I think they've done a really good job of creating that excitement. Yeah, me too. And also creating stuff other than that excitement to enjoy watching. Yeah, exactly. All right, what are you reading? I'm still on Sandman. I'm on volume four now. Oh my gosh, you're flying. Yeah, hopefully I'll... I mean, there's, there's so many volumes. I'll be, it'll probably be the next, like, seven podcasts where this will be my answer. But it's still great. Still awesome. The last, the volume three, it was, like, a bunch of different, like, shorter stuff. There wasn't a, much of a connected thread. And I kind of enjoyed that. I like seeing what Gaiman can come up with. That's cool. I'm still reading uh, everything you wanted to ask in Indian, but we're afraid to ask. Uh, and, and enjoying that. And, uh, yeah. Very cool. All yeah. right, this was fun. We'll do again another one next week. Yeah, do another one next week. Or hopefully it'll maintain quality and we'll have new stuff to be excited about. Exactly. All right. So thank you very much for listening. This was fun for us. This was a bit of bad day for us talking. Still learning until we meet again is what that means in Cherokee, if I pronounce that correctly. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Cerzier and Antoine Hurrah. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.